Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 8th. It is five minutes after 10. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Coming up this later later this hour at 1030, we've got Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch who's going to join us. And uh, we'll see what she has to say as she is campaigning to be the governor of the great state of Indiana. What a wild and wacky next couple days we've got on this show. we got Suzanne coming up at 1030. Mm-hmm. got Doden tomorrow. Yeah. And he's going to blast the governor over the leap the leap stuff which is great you know (laughs) it's so funny tell us how you really feel that was so great when that happened because we had he had come out with that don't count that anti-iedc ad and i had said on the air we were just just kind of it's the power of this show casey i just jokingly said look we've had a lot of problems with you guys doden but i think we we always are willing to move somebody right to the front of the line if they say something bad about holcomb and within like an hour i got a phone call from his camp were you serious about that so i said sure we can be friends on that for a day so he'll be here tomorrow to talk about uh and if anybody knows how screwed up iedc is and this leap thing it would be doden because mm-hmm. he ran the thing under pence and then uh, monday we've got the just a really feel-good story of indiana politics jamie rittenauer mm-hmm. with with literally raised $17,000 and she got those signatures to be able to run for governor. Mm-hmm. And so we 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 interviewed her a month and a half, two months ago and she did it. And so she'll be with us Monday. So three next three days, three of the six candidates for governor. Sounds good. Seven minutes after 10, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So earlier in the week, Tucker Carlson announced on X that he will be interviewing uh, Vladimir Putin. Yeah. And that's going to drop this evening at six o'clock. I'm sure many people will be very interested in this. And now it has come out. Some outlets are reporting that he could face sanctions and that he is assisting a war criminal and now he's going to be Putin's mouthpiece and also EU politicians could look to impose a travel ban on him following this controversial interview. He's going to do an interview. Mm -hmm. He's not conspiring with the Russian military. He's not spying, you know, on the homeland and giving secret information to Putin. He's going to do an interview And again, this is another example of when everybody piles on about even information getting out, it should be a giant red flag to everyone about why are are all of these people so concerned with you simply being able to hear someone speak. Yeah. So now a lot of people are trying to discredit him, saying that he's got a lot of audacity to even try to interview Putin. Keep in mind that George Stephanopoulos did that. Uh, Barbara Walters has done it. Uh, Megyn Kelly has done it previously. He runs Russia, Casey. He should totally be heard from. Many people have previously interviewed the guy, but the second that Tucker Carlson does it, now we have an issue. And uh, Chris Cuomo, he came out and he said that Tucker Carlson is cheapening the standard of journalism for doing this. (laughs) He also said, don't compare Tucker to Barbara Walters. Tucker Carlson is getting exactly what he wants attention. He's in Russia interviewing Vladimir Putin. Now, frankly, I don't care. 
his explanation of why he's doing it, that he's a journalist and he needs to inform people. He can call himself whatever he wants. I think uh, his work is demonstrable as not being just about giving people information. He has a point of view, and often it's not aligned with the facts. Um, Megyn Kelly, also um, a pundit from the right, uh, interviewed Putin in 2018 and got beat up by almost everybody uh, in what was the first criticism that kind of led to her failing at the network level. Why? Because that's not what these people are. That's what Barbara Walters was. So Putin has really limited his contact with any international media since he launched that invasion of Ukraine in 22. But when we have people like Mitch McConnell saying that sending money to Ukraine is the top priority, yeah, let's keep the dialogue open with the other guy and see why he did what he did. What are his intentions? Will this ever end or are we just to keep sending money over there fighting him? The ability to keep people uninformed and the brazen nature of the ability to keep people uninformed in a coordinated worldwide, Casey, Mm -hmm. literally worldwide collaboration to deny people access to the other side of the story. Maybe Putin's totally full of it. Probably is. Guys made his money and got his power lying and scamming and scheming. But my goodness, Mm -hmm. the unwillingness to not hear from the other side is just incredibly disturbing. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. After 10, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So candidates for statewide elected office, they have to disclose what they own, whether it be in property or stocks, businesses, whatever it is, they have to let you know by February 1st or before they turn in documents declaring their candidacy. So I thought this might be somewhat of a fun game. You give me the candidate and I'll tell you what they own. Okay, so I get to pick. So I'm going to go from richest to to what I think is probably least rich. How okay, about that? Okay. The richest one I would say has got to be Brad Chambers. Okay. So let's see. Brad Chambers, obviously, uh, he was recently involved in the EIDC. He's got a long list of financial interests. And he has a real estate investment firm, which he founded, Buckingham uh-huh. Companies. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he reported interests in 63 properties scattered across <laughs> 10 states, including Indiana. 63. So it's not like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I got this this full-time job and I got a little rental down the street for me that mm-hmm. I, you know, do for extra. 63 properties. We're not done there. He also recorded involvement in 279 different partnerships, <laughs> mostly How many? 279, most all of them related to real estate. Uh-huh. He has uh, stocks or options in 79 different corporations. And, Wait, just uh, hang on for just a second. Uh-huh. The information you have provided, how would any person 
possibly think that guy, when he makes choices, would care about you at all. But he's an outsider. (laughs) He has stocks or options in 79 corporations, and they range from BlackRock to Eli Lilly, (laughs) also Peloton, and Coca-Cola. Okay, so isn't this wild that the IDC Mm -hmm. was heavily involved in Lilly getting this sweetheart deal out of what will be, you know, the Leap District out there. Chambers is the head of IEDC. Mm -hmm. IEDC oversees that, and then it comes out that he's got stock in Lilly. He does. Wow, amazing how that happens, isn't it, Casey? Mm -hmm. It's no different than, and this will tie into, you know, our next conversation. During the pandemic, what was allowed to stay open? Liquor stores. Mm -hmm. Who owned part of 30-plus liquor stores? Kyle Hupfer, the state party chairman. These guys are all Hupfer, Holcomb, uh, Chambers. This is the, I mean, it's... How could anybody vote for this guy? How could anybody vote for this guy and think he is possibly not totally compromised from the moment he walks in the governor's mansion? Okay, who do you got next? Uh, let's go second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braun is more interesting than Doden because Doden got his through his family money. I think Braun is more interesting. Okay, Mike Braun reported that he owns a farm and timberland in eight counties. T- timberland. Timberland. It's not, it's not like I own a couple acres. Mm-hmm. I own timberland. Mm-hmm. And he has involvement <laughs> in a farming company called Maple Land LLC. And let's see, he reported to having at least ten thousand dollars in stock or stock options in his former employer, which is Meyer Distributing and Meyer he, Logistics. He owned it. What do you mean it's former employer? That was he owned the place. What do you mm-hmm. mean, former employer? He and his wife also hold stock in four different banks: Freedom Bank, German American Bank, J.P. Morgan Bank, and Springs My Valley. Former Bank and employer. Trust. Y- you. You <laughs> were your former employer. Well, I'm sure he listed himself as an employee. Uh, okay. Uh, I would be very curious. Okay, so Doden is the other super rich guy running. So let's let's hear what he's got. Okay, he reported to owning a condo unit in downtown Indianapolis, and he noted that he worked for Demo Ventures, which is a real estate development company that he co-founded. He also said he operated two sole proprietorships or professional practices, uh, Pago USA and Sign Development Company. He also listed some more real estate related partnerships with Domo Development, Domo Ventures, Mommy Development, and Cumberland. So uh, development, like I wonder is that um, like real estate mm-hmm. development? So see again, giant red flag to everyone which is all of these people have it appears their hands in real estate which depends on what economic the 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 development of stuff right i mean it's it's come on now they also have to report their spouse and doden's wife owns stock and options in uh, alphabet apple berkshire hathaway charles schwab jp morgan microsoft nike tesla and united health group uh okay i would guess based on economic realities that Jamie Rittenauer would be the least wealthy of the six people who have turned in the signatures to run for governor on the Republican side. Okay, she reported that she has no properties and no stocks. And uh, (laughs) she does say, however, that her husband, uh, let's see, he has a partnership in a publishing company, Promise Books. So think about what she would walk in with, which is no ties or obligations or IOUs to anyone mm-hmm. and then compare those to the first three that we named off where it's land, it's a t- timber land, it's mm-hmm. development, it's mm-hmm. condos. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, 
this then these ads i'm a regular guy mm -hmm. i care about you i i'm an outsider right sure you are uh uh, well, obviously, we're going to interview. Uh, now, I would guess Curtis Hill is not overly wealthy either because he was a prosecutor before he was attorney general. I would guess he is not overly wealthy either. He reported no interests in property partnerships or stocks. He noted his work for Maverick Consulting and, of course, his own legal practice. Yeah, OK, that would be right. And then the mm -hmm. last one would be who we're going to interview coming up next, Suzanne Crouch. I would guess she... Uh, her husband, I think, was a pretty, I think her husband was a lawyer, mm -hmm. so I think he was pretty successful, but I would guess she's largely been in the public sector. Yep. I would guess she's not, she's great at raising other people's money, but I would guess she is not overly wealthy. She reported to having no interests in property, businesses, or partnerships. She does hold stock or options in Amazon, which is the Google parent company, Alphabet, and also tobacco company, Philip Morris. Okay. All right. So I, I was pretty much right, like mm -hmm. from, uh, you know, kind of start mm -hmm. to finish. I got pretty much most of those correct based mm -hmm. on uh, the people and how they might have interest other than my own. Yep. <laughs> if they were to become governor of the state of Indiana. You got it. Okay, so we do have uh, Suzanne Crouch, who is going to be joining us, and we've uh, earmarked a lot of time to yes. talk with her. But uh, before she comes in, I thought it would be nice to review her latest campaign ad. Okay. And this is it. I'm Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch. You probably know me for leading the fight to axe the state income tax, or the conservative who made a critical pro-life vote and helped make Indiana one of the most pro-life states, or the Secretary of Agriculture who's playing hardball to prevent China from acquiring critical Indiana land. And as governor, you'll know me for making sure fentanyl dealers who kill Hoosiers get punished for the murderers they are. Suzanne Crouch, conservative, tax fighter, governor. She says, when I saw China eyeing land near Indiana military sites, I didn't just expose it. I stopped it. I won't back down in the fight to protect Hoosier land, lives, and families. All right, let's take a break. We'll have the news. And then when we come back, Suzanne Krauts will be here. This is going to be a really great and very interesting uh, conversation when we come back. It's 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It is 1031. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And in studio, our very special guest. She's a former state auditor. She was a former state representative, now the lieutenant governor for the state of Indiana, currently running for governor, Suzanne Crouch. Hello. Hello, Rob and Casey. And you know, where's Tony? I thought it was on the Tony Cash <laughs> show what today. everybody you always know? asks. And I'll is... tell you what I was listening to on the way over here. Um, you're the one. Girls like to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you were to take a look at the past seven years and, and the Holcomb administration and give it a letter grade, A, A, B, C, D, F, what would it be? A. Interesting. Why? Because of the accomplishments that we have seen in so many areas that have benefited Hoosiers. You know, we have seen in my agency, OCRA, 
as you know, oversees the expansion of broadband throughout Indiana. We made that a priority in 2019. We've invested $268 million connecting Hoosiers throughout Indiana. And as you know, Rob and Casey, the agencies I oversee, Secretary of Agriculture, Office of Community and Rural Affairs, the Indiana Destination Development Corporation, and the Indiana Housing Community Development Authority have a real thrust and emphasis on rural Indiana. And I believe that rural Indiana is our next great economic frontier. But in order to unlock the opportunity there, we have to have people connected. And we saw how important that was during COVID. So that is one of the reasons that I think that we you know, should be given an A is our ability to expand broadband throughout Indiana, giving that opportunity to Hoosiers in rural Indiana, but also because of, you know, the economy and the, you know, the way we have grown the economy here in Indiana with lower unemployment and with the ability to put Hoosiers into jobs throughout Indiana, uh, extremely important and improving and putting a focus on the quality of life. So just to make sure we understand, you're you're okay on running on the Holcomb record. Like you would look at Eric Holcomb's record and I'm say- running on, I'm running uh, Suzanne Crouch for governor. Well, but you're a big, you've been a big part of his administration. I mean, you've been the number, number two. So, I mean, you're saying I am okay with being judged based on the record of the Holcomb ad- administration. Well, you know, as Lieutenant Governor- I'm going to claim the successes, but I also have to, I also have to, you know, also have to be able to account for the, you know, the not successes. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's kind of, I think if you look at the state convention a couple of years ago where Diego wins against Holly Sullivan, that was largely seen as a referendum on the governor. That's a bold position to take running in a Republican primary because there's a lot of people who I'm a, one of them believe the governor has really failed people. Is there an area where you would look at, because you mentioned it, and say Holcomb didn't do a good job? Holcomb failed the citizens of the state of Indiana. Is there is there some place that stands out to you to say, we could have done a lot better? You know, I, I believe we can't live in the past, Rob and Casey. You know, we have to be accountable for it. We learn from mistakes, and then we move forward into the future. And so what I want to talk about is the future. Mm-hmm. But but I will say that there were many private conversations that the governor and I had, and they're going to continue to stay private. And I didn't agree with him on every single but, issue. But why? But, but why? I, You're a public servant. Why would those things stay private? Because the same reason my conversations with my husband stay private, Rob. We don't agree on everything. And I know that you have conversations with people in your life that stay private. And so... And, there are many things that I didn't agree with the governor on. Such as? Can you give us one? The veto of the, you know, the bill that, you know, would not allow boys to be able to be in our girls' locker rooms and play on their sports teams. Okay. So what about COVID? Because I think the big, and I think you know this, you're very smart, you're you're very astute politically. You know there's a lot of people who are judging you based on Holcomb. A lot of those people at state convention who rejected Holly Sullivan and voted for Diego, they're lumping you into the same thing. And I think the behavior during COVID was really what turned a, lo- a lot of people. Do, yeah. do you believe the governor handled with the lockdowns, the, ma- the mask mandates, the business closures? Do you think Holcomb handled COVID well? I believe that what we learn is our mistakes from the past, Rob. And I'm going to tell you this. 
Because of COVID, we've seen a 20% increase in anxiety and depression among the population. We've seen a 60% increase among young people. It's the second leading cause of death among young people is suicide. And my family, as you know, has struggled with that. I had a mother that struggled with anxiety and depression. You know, my older, older brother died of alcoholism. My younger sister died by suicide in her early 20s. And our daughter, our only child, is 16 years sober and bipolar. I saw... What COVID did to her and did to many other Hoosiers, and because of that, there can be no more mass mandates or lockdowns. And when I'm governor, there won't be, because we can't do that again because of what it has done to our population. Okay, so I have a two-part question, and you're leading me right into it. As you mentioned, uh, mental health is going to be a priority of yours as one in five in Indiana suffer from issues. You have said that you want to be more creative and innovative in uh, solving the problem. How? Well, first of all, we don't have enough professionals in serving Hoosiers that are struggling with mental illness and addiction. And so we have to look at how do we attract more people to those professions. We have to look at loan forgiveness programs to get more young people in. But I think we also have to take the services to the people. And we have to recognize that technology is playing a bigger and bigger role in our lives. And it has to play a bigger and bigger role when it comes to giving services and getting people connected to those services that will help them. So that is one thing we have to do. I think we have to look at how do we get people the, how do we get services to people where they are, not expect them to come to where the services are. And so there is a national program. I've you know, been a part of experiencing it where we actually have barbers who will in neighborhoods be equipped with the information and the resources to be able to get help to those people that come to their shops because they're the ones that are talking to them. I think we have to look at how we equip everyday Hoosiers. And then we have to look at our model of delivery, our model of service, you know, being able to make the changes and having peer coaches and peer counselors and be able to get assistance to people when they need it, maybe not necessarily to a therapist or psychiatrist immediately. We have to look at when it comes to more psychiatrists, which were woefully unrepresented here in Indiana, let's look at having more residency, psychiatric residencies to be able to attract them here. Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch is our guest. I want to go back to, to 2020 because, again, I think this... And, you and like it, to live in the past. No, I'm no. To the future. Well, no, I, I, you guys did a lot of harm to a lot of people in 2020. And there's a lot of people whose businesses never recovered. There's a lot of people who were put out of work who have still not gained that level of income. And there's not a single solitary thing that the governor can point to to prove that anything he did kept one person um, alive. And so. I am asking the questions that we hear every single day, which is the people want to be assured that they're never going to be denied the ability to earn a living ever again, that they're never going to see their businesses close, that they're never going to be tried to be put in jail for not wearing a mask. We have to review what happened with this administration because, Suzanne, you're an incredibly nice person, but people lump you in with the governor because you didn't publicly object to these to these things. And so you are saying right now, if you're a governor, you will never shut the state down again. You will allow people to go to work. You will allow people to go to, to church. Absolutely. So so you will never under any circumstances shut the state of Indiana down again. We can't. We can't afford to. You know, what would you have done differently? Because you 
were in a position where you could have spoken out publicly, but from all accounts, you did not. So what would you have done differently if you could get in a time machine? Well, I don't have the luxury of going back and changing. And sure. I can look back over my life, Casey, mm-hmm. and I can say, if I had it to do over again, I'd do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. I don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. What I have to do is learn from experiences and know what I'm going to do moving forward. And so I will tell you this. When Governor Holcomb said, go home and stay home, I ended up going to Evansville. I was there for three days, and I thought, I can't. This is crazy. And I went back to work and went into the state house every day. I didn't go and not participate. I tried to be a part of what we needed to do. And quite honestly, when we look back, we were lied to by Fauci and the federal government. You know, and so I will tell you this when I'm governor, experts will be on tap, but they're not going to be on top. You know, we're not going to have them be telling us what we can do because we know it doesn't work. We've seen it. Real quick, I want to ask you one more thing about 2020, and then there's some big things going on that you're you're mm-hmm. trying to kind of lead on, I think, right now, and, and a lot of people are curious about this. The governor, in the wake of the riots downtown, had a VIP meet. He first of all, he called those people noble. He had, a month before, called people who peacefully protested in front of his residency, picked up all their trash, went home, nobody was injured. He called those people a human Petri dish. And then, which I'm sure you're aware that he did, they did in a press conference. He then called the rioters noble and then proceeded to have a VIP meet and greet with Malik Mohammed, a domestic terrorist who threatened to seize his house on live television. And then Malik Mohammed, he let Malik Mohammed go. Malik Mohammed goes to Portland and is now in jail for attempting to kill cops. Did you object to that at all? Did you tell him how offensive that was to so many people? And if these social justice protests, riots, whatever you want to call them, happen again, how are you going to handle it differently than Holcomb handled it? Well, I'm not going to tolerate as governor people disrupting our peace, people in in making us not safe. I mean, that what we have seen happen, because I live in downtown Indianapolis, what we saw during COVID and the destruction and all the harm that was done to businesses, they haven't recovered. They haven't recouped. And so we can't tolerate that kind of behavior. And we need to be sure that we have the state police there participating, you know, and they need to be on call and they need to be there, particularly if local police are not doing their job and not there helping to protect citizens. But I will tell you, I know a lot of the senators, a lot of the people that participated in that demonstration outside of the governor's mansion, and they aren't, you know, bad people. They're law-abiding people that should have well, the right to say what they want to why say. why didn't anybody in the administration, why didn't you, why didn't anyone? I, I just, when he called those people a human Petri dish, that's the about the worst thing you can say to somebody. And then Malik Muhammad gets VIP treatment. And a lot of people looked at that and they said, that's, I mean, look, Donald Rainwater raised eight cents and got 345,000 votes. That was a protest vote against the governor. And and I just wonder why nobody stood up for those people when the governor was so awful to people who were doing nothing wrong and the people who were destroying downtown got photo ops and meet and greets. And people should have the right. And as governor, I'll protect the right to say and to assemble and to do what they need to do to express themselves and to be able to say what they think that is different from me. Because I believe that we can't be closed as leaders 
to the public. It's why I believe that, you know, moving forward into this convention for lieutenant governor, the delegates should have the right to choose. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, and you were a leader on that. You deserve credit. You were one of the first people to come out and say that. Absolutely. Because this government is the people's government. Yeah, let's. And when one person feels like it's their government. Yeah. Then they fail the people. Let's talk about your plan now, which I think is interesting. It's axe the tax. A lot of people say you can't or won't do that because you won't cut. They estimated it $8 billion from the government. Now, I would love to see you do that. I'd be your biggest fan. Do you have a plan to cut $8 I billion? I want to tell you my plan to axe the tax. I, let's hear all Casey. about it. I want to know. I, I'm I'm interested in more money, as you know, and I'm interested in cutting $8 billion from state government. You let's know, go. Let's all right. I travel the state, and I listen to Hoosiers, you know, and they're struggling today from the high cost of living, inflation, and binomics. You know, it costs $11,000 more today than oh, it yeah. did three years yeah. ago just to make meet basic needs, you know, so we can ax a tax and we can put thousands of dollars back into Hoosier's pockets. The Federal Reserve in St. Louis says the average Hoosier makes $58,000. That's $2,000 of their money we give back to them. Yeah. Now, special interest groups, big spending bureaucrats, my opponents are saying it can't be done, but that money's not theirs, it's yours. And Hoosiers will always spend their money more wisely than the government. So where, where do we and take Governor, it? Where I'm do we make ta- sure. I'm getting ready. I'm okay, telling you. Perfect. I'm telling you, Rob. Let me talk. Okay. Perfect. You know, uh, keep the tax, Kendall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Let me talk. So anyway, it's two thousand dollars we can save. Yeah. So as former vice chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, as former auditor of state, I'm telling you, we can do it. And here is how. Great. All right. We limit government growth. We end wasteful government spending, and we find efficiencies in government. So, in 2013, my last year in the General Assembly, we passed a two-year, $30 billion budget for the state of Indiana. 2023, 10 years later, we passed a $44.5 billion budget. We increased government spending by 50%, but from the 21 to the 23 budget session, we increased government spending by 19%. Before we passed the budget... In 2023, we had a $6 billion surplus. Yeah. So we kept $2.9 billion as our surplus. We put the other $3.1 billion into government You're spending. Right. But why weren't you publicly so objecting about this until now? We, I love this. But why wait till now? So if we had taken some <laughs> of that money and put it towards limiting the income tax, we'd be that much closer. And we're already doing it, Rob and Casey. I mean, mm-hmm. in 2027, we're going to go from 3.1 to 2.9%. I'm saying, let's take excess surpluses and revenues in the future, and rather than spend them, let's put them towards eliminating the income tax. I'm not talking about a tax replacement. I am talking about a tax cut. I, and so I love it. we take our $44.5 billion base, and we let it grow at a controlled amount, cost of living, rate of inflation, not 19%. We take those excess revenues and surpluses, put it towards limited rate, the tax, and we will be able to phase it in. And we will be able to do it and put triggers in place to protect so, against economic so, downturn. So you're going to go to Rod and Todd, the Flanders boys, and say, here's the deal. I'm vetoing any budget that has growth of government outside of whatever they determine that number is. 
I'm going to work with the General Assembly, and I'm going to leverage my relationships and what I have that no other opponent has. Okay. Is the relationships in the General Assembly to make these kind of bold things happen. Because I was eight years as a state representative. I have those relationships. Seven years as a state senator, as president of the Senate. I had those relationships. So you can have a bold vision. But if you don't have the relationships within the General Assembly, you're not going to get it done. And at the end of the day... I believe that people will become engaged because they want their money back. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and that is the voice of Suzanne Crouch, who wants to be your governor of the great state of Indiana. All right, let's, uh, you just mentioned relationships, and let's talk about your relationship with Senator Bray, because you are not agreeing on something. You have mentioned that you want to do an audit of the FSSA, and we know recently there was that billion-dollar clerical error. Uh, how do you do a revenue projection if you do an audit of this organization? What do you expect to find? And you have mentioned that you want to pause the cuts. How do you pay for it? Well, first of all, I, the reason I want an audit is how do you make a billion dollar mistake? Mm-hmm. How do you make a billion dollar mistake and then say we're going to cut services to the families and to the children that are severely disabled and have medical complex needs. How do we do that? But part of my eliminating the income tax is modernizing state government. You know, I know how state government works. I know what we can do to make it work better. And so I want to take state government and come in and have outside sources come in and actually do audits on all of the agencies because I believe we will find efficiencies and cost savings that we can then also use to direct towards other services or towards eliminating the state income tax. You know, I already have a plan. We're on our third iteration of a plan to take our 100 state agencies and get them down to 35 or less. And so to be able to consolidate and to be able to realize cost savings. So it's all about, it's not about finding more money to spend. It's about taking the money that we have and finding savings within our current government to be able to direct towards those services. And so at the end of the day, it's truly about being bold and understanding government and being in local government, state government at the executive and legislative levels. I don't need on the job training. I know how government works and I know how it can work better. So how do we square? Because you, I asked started by saying, what grade would you give Holcomb, Holcomb administration? You said A. Okay. But this interview has been about how government is too big. It's too inefficient. It's too ineffective. It's grown too much. How I, do, want, how I we, want to be a plus. But how, okay, so so big government is, an, this is what people kind of struggle with. Big government, big taxes, big spending, inefficiencies, which I agree with you with on all I'm of those things. smaller government, smaller taxes, But how is that an taxes. A? That's what people don't understand is people people believe you are afraid to break from the governor. And this sort of seems like the, the, what we're doing. You know what? You know what, Rob? I mean, honest to goodness. You know, as the chair of the Intellectual and Developmental Disability Task Force, I called a meeting to be able to have FSSA explain to us how they made a billion-dollar error. They could not answer questions. I then came out and asked for an internal audit of a state agency that I don't oversee, and I'm not afraid to do that. So Holcomb blew it. I mean, we, we knew four years ago when he was admitting he was leaving the emergency declaration in place and people are going to Colts games and Pacers games and bars and restaurants. And he was being open. He was finally forced to admit because it was so ridiculous. I'm doing this because of the federal money that's coming in is going to Medicaid. 
well, you know how Medicaid works. You're smart. You're part of the General Assembly. You knew that federal money was going to end eventually. How is it that we were talking about this on our shows at the time, but yet the state of Indiana is looking around going, well, we have no idea how, how this happened. It, it, but, it, but you know what, Rob and Casey? Honest to goodness, you all really don't understand the influence you have. And so when people draw attention and when the media draws attention to an issue, I have seen time and time again where that issue gets resolved. And so we ended up with pressure on to be able to end that. We now have the Senate taking on initiatives to try to look at how do we keep if we ever have our, have our, find ourselves in these, this kind of situation again, how do we make sure that the balance of power is not disrupted? All right. I, I think we're, we're running out of time. Got about but three minutes left. It's half my show. And I would like to uh, I would like to have the last question with you, Suzanne. And we save the best to last. Um, OK, so you have the potential to be the first female governor of Indiana. And just recently you tweeted out Happy National Girls and Women in Sports Day. And you had mentioned it was the one area that you and Eric Holcomb did disagree on. How do we protect women in sports? How do you work with the NCAA to make sure that uh, females are not hurt when they're just trying to play. Well, you know what? As you know, Casey, women have worked very, very hard and very, very long to have the right to vote and the right to be able to participate in our own sports. And so only for the last 50 years have we been able to do that. And as governor, I'll protect their right to be able to participate and to be able to be protected and to be able to be safe in the sports. And I will stand up and take on whoever wants to fight in terms of not trying to do that. Why should people vote for you? What distinguishes you from the other candidates? Well, first of all, I love and have a heart for Hoosiers and for Indiana. I also had the experience at the local and legislative level to be able to deliver results for Hoosiers. And I'll tell you, I traveled the state I have for nine years listening to Hoosiers, listening to the same people, Rob, you and Casey listen to, and they know that we can do better. And that's what I want to do as governor. I want to deliver more results. I want to give them more economic freedom. I want them to have the freedom to live their own life and to choose the path they want to choose without interference from an all-powerful government at the local, at the state, or at the federal level. And and real quick, I just want to say you deserve 100% credit for coming in here. There's a lot of people you're running against who will not do that and have not been willing to do that. And you deserve all the credit for being willing to do that. That's because girls just want to have fun. (laughs) You have a web Website or people want to know more about the axe, the tax plan. Crafts for Indiana. That's pretty simple, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty simple for that. And we will in no way hold against you. That and you, you know what? What? You haven't even said anything about Silent Sue. I well, told my husband. I said you were very I quiet. I told my husband <laughs> I mean, that you called me Silent Sue. I did, Sue, yes. I, 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 and he laughed. I, I think the silence was very harmful for the state because I think you are far more no, I think it was Silent Suzanne. Silent Suzanne, that's mm-hmm. right. And I think that was very harmful for the state. I think you... Thank you for speaking out. Yeah, you're a very likable person. I think you had the ability to to help people. But CrouchForIndiana.com is the website. Is that correct? That's it, Rob. There you go. Su- Suzanne Crouch, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Casey. We appreciate your time and the conversation. You're listening to Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC.